Hey everyone, welcome to Trends and Tings, where we bring you real chats on what's buzzing on this week's show. Well, personalities like Andrew Tate, Hasbula, Charlie D'Amelio, The Inspired Unemployed, and so many others have shot to fame on the back of social media. But it's got us wondering, are social media celebs the new big names on the scene? And what are the positives and negatives of both sides? Also, dance-inspired pop music is back, baby, with recent new albums from Beyonce and Drake. So, we're going to be chatting about why we're loving the new bass-heavy rather pop music and if it's here to stay within the wider music scene. As always, a huge welcome to the show. To you, my name is Gordon, joined by a very special guest. We know Scotty, uh, my co-host, who's, of course, always on Trends and Things, is away. He's overseas, living up in Europe. So I'm delighted to welcome a very special co-host, co-guest host for today. It's Trishant, the co-founder of What's Lively. What's going on, man? Hey, Gordon. How are you? I'm very well, mate. I'm very well. Now, listen, you've been, uh, you've been a very busy man since the last time we spoke to you, you know, a couple of years ago now. Um, how are things going, man? How's What's Lively going? I know you. we caught up separately um, a couple of weeks ago, um, and it sounds like things are, are going pretty well, mate. Yeah, I think the last time we did this uh, was, what, 2020. So it would have been the first year of COVID. Mm. So, yeah, it definitely has been a while. But, um, yeah, we caught up uh, a couple of weeks back. And, yeah, I mean, I think that time we did the podcast, things were super weird. And I think we're all in denial, but yeah. just being very positive. Um, just in general, not even <laughs> just about live music, but life, you know? Uh, so yeah. it's really good that we got out of that. I know, you know, not every, you know, a lot of bad shit did go down, but I feel like, um, yeah, it's a lot more positive, the outlook um, on on the live music front, definitely. Well, that's exciting, man. Um, and look, we're obviously keen to chat a little bit more uh into the music scene obviously some really exciting recent albums that have come out by drake and and beyonce in particular but tris listen i thought we'd kick off this episode because you know as always a couple of topics each week and there's been a lot of news around the social media influencer or celeb i, I feel like influencer is way overused these days it's 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 in there and everyone says social media influencer but in a way they're sort of in their own right, celebrities, I guess, when you think about them, right? The success that they have and what that leads to. You talk about international tours or, you know, guest spots on TV shows or on radio. They're, they're fully fledged celebrities. And to a degree, you look at some of them and, you know, obviously Andrew Tate and, and guys like him have been in the in the news of late for, for, you know, bad and good reasons, you could say. But there's been a lot of personalities. And, you know, you I know you've been involved with some stuff with uh, Haspula, who's coming out to Australia very soon, I believe. Um, which is exciting, but mate, because you have got a, you know, you've got a bit of an insight into this, this whole world. And before we dig into, you know, maybe how it's happened, the good and the bad of it all, what, what do you make of this whole social media celebrity rise to fame? Yeah, I feel like the, you know, the definition of celebrity has, uh, definitely transformed and it's become something else these days, just because of, you know, social media and the platform that that now gives everyone like you know the democratization of technology so more people now mm. have the opportunity to have a profile and i feel like that's really positive but it also um can come with its uh <laughs> negative consequences of people that you know we really don't want as being celebrities um but that's also subjective mm. you know and i think um yeah i mean you've named two diff two people that are very different when it comes to celebrity status, which is, you know, Andrew Tate and someone like Hezbollah. I feel like uh, 
Andrew Tate is famous for one reason and Hezbollah is famous for another reason. And mm. uh, they're both really interesting to explore, um, you know, their rise and how they got to their, you know, to the sort of their current sort of celebrity status. And like, it's huge. Both of their, um, both of them have a huge platform and they're not, you know, an actor or a, a musician or, mm. you know, not saying they're not talented, but they don't have that, you know, that traditional talent that made you a celebrity in the past. Mm. Yeah, definitely. What do you, I mean, it's interesting, right? Because you normally think in, in celebrities of yesteryear, you know, maybe in the 90s, early 2000s, yeah. you almost had to have some of that piece, right? You had to be a, a muser or you had to be an artist yeah. or you had or to be like, a, an actor and stuff. Well, you had a machine behind you that, you know, made you that, you know, made you look that certain way, right? Whereas, you know, the mm. rise of Tate and Hezbollah or whoever else, it's been all very organic. They didn't have a team, you know. They didn't like, you know, when you have an artist that, you know, might not have been a musician, but they had a major label that was, that had that machine behind them, PR and, you know, all that. Whereas mm. these guys, oh, you know, they pretty much did it themselves. So it's super fascinating what's, what's Yeah, happening. well, let's, let's talk about social media's role in it because, you know, we've had obviously TikTok in the last sort of 24 months really take off and, and I guess that that algorithm of sort of randomness, if you like, um, really helping people maybe get off the ground a bit. But, uh, you know, I look at guys like the Inspired Unemployed, obviously, to, you know, I think they're a bigger group now, but it started off with the with the two blokes here in Australia. They've turned into a huge following with with massive numbers and, and their own beer line and a whole bunch of products sort of on the back of their originally doing sort of short videos, really sort of Vine-esque, showing my age there probably, but like Vine-esque videos. Um, on TikTok. So what do you, what yeah. do you make? Yeah. Bring it, bring it back. Well, TikTok is TikTok basically Vine reincarnate. Yeah. Just much better executed, I guess. Yeah. Mm. Let's, let's talk about that. Cause I mean, obviously TikTok is a different experience. Vine was special though. It was, you know, it was very well defined. You knew what you were getting, you know, mm. whereas I feel like TikTok is like now very wide and encompasses a lot of different things. You know, they started at what? 30 seconds and now you can go to like a minute was wine was like you know really the video version of twitter you've got what was it seven mm. seconds i, I, I kind of remember yeah <laughs> yeah and that's all you've got so you got to really maximize it so i feel like that really brought out the best in content creators um mm. i like you know i don't know if that's showing our age you know back in the old days but i really did like mine i thought that was really a, a great app and um when it did get when it did got um sold to twitter that's when it went downhill. Mm. And yeah. what, what the one thing I've been wondering about with these social media influencers, like, you know, the, the people we've mentioned and, and others is the, the sort of, I guess, trust isn't the right word, but sort of like for you, for example, how much do you, besides them being entertaining perhaps or catching attention, um, you know, if you have like a football, like a sports star or a musician, I feel like in the past, if they're a celebrity that I relate with, I can re I, I almost, they feel like a friend to me, you know, like there's someone I look up to. There's someone that I place a lot of trust with and it, nothing hurt me more. For example, recently when Will Smith did the whole slap incident and I was like, fuck, I, I, I looked up, I looked up to this guy and, and now he's done something that I can't agree with. Do we, do you reckon this, these in, social media led influencers can have that same type of, do you think that sort of more authentic type of media they create at times is something that can help them build trust with like their fans and followers? Or do you think it's more of like a entertainment thing? Cause sometimes I look at these guys on TikTok and I'm like, fuck, they are hilarious or they make great content. 
but I'm purely there for entertainment. Do you know what I mean? I feel like it. it's not really the platform. I feel like it's your intention, maybe as a celebrity. Yeah, you do have someone like Will Smith who, you know, nearly every interview he's done has been positive and inspiring. Like he's, you know, just personally, he's been a big inspiration for me. Mm. And But he doesn't um, allow himself to be completely real in front of a camera. And you can't blame him for that. I'm not taking it. I'm not giving having a go at him. But I, I think now with TikTok and all these other platforms, um, it's the same thing. Like you can you can be real or you can be fake. There's a lot of influencers that um, shape a, a certain uh, image or brand that they want to uphold on TikTok or Instagram. And then there's like other influencers or content creators that are just purely being themselves. So, and I think the latter are, are the group of people that are not going to be as scrutinized when some when something goes wrong or something actually never actually goes wrong with them because they're being real so i feel like it is the intention because you have will smith who's doing who was doing his thing but you also have someone like kanye that just says whatever he wants in front of the camera Mm. so i think it's how you use the tool i don't think the tool or the platforms are making people more trustworthy or more transparent i feel like it really does come back to the intention Mm. Yeah, it's it's a really interesting idea, right? Because all these guys are active on multiple different channels now as well. They're, you know, I remember Will Smith just using him as a as an example continually. He his he had a pretty pretty popping off YouTube channel for a bit there, didn't he? He did a lot of content. Obviously, he's got a massive team behind him yeah. as well. Um, but like you said, exactly the yeah. videos you see on on TikTok and stuff are that you film them in five minutes. Like there's not much editing going into it. It's just raw content, maybe a filter or two and some minor editing, of course, don't get me wrong, but you know, YouTube sort of content creation is a completely different kettle of fish compared to say TikTok, right? It's, it's on app. It's, it's simple. It's easy. It's, it's more real, like you said. So maybe in a way you get more authenticity through these guys or through these content creators. I definitely see what you're saying. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, the platform in itself does encourage you to be more, uh, I guess, real, you know? And I think that's what um, the, you know, huge influx of people on TikTok, that was their reasoning that, oh, Instagram's becoming very uh, sort of controlled, you know? People are really controlling their own narratives and their own brands, whether they be, you know, big or small, whereas TikTok just allows them to be real. Like, there is... Mm. There is no filter. It's just me um, being filmed, doing a goofy dance or just doing something funny. So, yeah, definitely. I think the ease of use with TikTok really did encourage people to be more, uh, I guess, be more themselves. And that, yeah. that's, a, that's a huge positive. But I'll go back to my point. It's still how you use that platform. There are a lot of, you know, in, 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 that, in, that note, in that sort of point itself, there are people that are trying to be perceived as genuine or trying to be authentic. They're putting that on. You know, um, mm. so I really, I really do think it comes back to attention and how you use it. And you brought up, you know, someone like Andrew Tate. I feel like he's someone, whether you agree with him or you don't, he is expressing his honest opinion. Mm. And I think that's why people are gravitating towards him because these platforms, people's intentions are not real. They're not authentic. And the person that does come out and have real opinions and not scared to express them people are gravitating towards them because that now that's becoming a rarity that's becoming mm. unusual you mentioned you mentioned a bit there around sort of these guys who are you know yes everyone's it's people are being encouraged to be more quote unquote real 
but you know, I think you know, using guys like Andrew Tate, um, who are who are popular at the moment on these platforms, like going back to your point, do you reckon there's you know, is someone like him sort of using it? I mean, there's obviously an element of him using it to drive attention, right? He's he's delivery and his the way he says things is feels honest, but is that potentially also a way of him going, all right, I need to say this in a way. It, people will, will listen and it'll, you know, mean I watch a TikTok yeah. video for longer and there, therefore I get served more types of that content. Do you know what I mean? Do, do you reckon that also plays a part? Like, yes, he's probably honest and. Yeah, there is definitely a, a bit of gaming involved there. Mm. Um, it's, it's one of those things where I look at it and I'm like, yeah, you, you, naturally they're these honest types of opinions or what looks to be honest type of opinions is mixed with the marketability of content. Like, you know, I know personally, like when I was running my publisher a couple of years ago, uh, when it came to writing content, you're like, cool, we want to make a good story, but you can have a great story. But unless people read that story or, or engage with that piece of content, it's just content that's existing. It's not necessarily getting yeah. or making the impact I, or getting I, in front of people. Like, so. Yeah, 100%. I feel like, um, you know, you're on the ball and that it's not it's not a new thing. It's, you know, a lot, a mm. lot of celebrities, a lot of famous people, and even media companies, right? You know, some of the biggest media companies have been doing that uh, for ages, right? But I still come back to mm. this point of intention. Like, it's very easy, and like, you know, the older we get, you realize if someone is being genuine with, you know, with their body language, with their actions, with their decisions, and you know, it's really easy for people to unravel if they are being fake. Yes, if they are adding a little bit of marketing or manipulation to that to get more, you know, to, to sort of get more of their videos or their content spread out. That's cool. I, I reckon that's fine. It's like, it's what, I feel like that's what Andrew Tate is doing. But, you know, if you compare that to someone like Trump, who literally, their literal campaign strategy was to put out tweets mm. pre-2016 and the ones that hit became his, you know, campaign platform, that's different. That is completely complete manipulation complete gaming but mm. i feel like you know people like kanye people like um you know even tate for instance like i'm saying i'm not saying i agree with all their opinions but they are for the most part at least from my eyes they are being real they are being authentic and they are also definitely uh gaming to spread out their um you know just to get to get them mentioned more, essentially, mm. you know. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. No, if totally. You totally. That to someone who's not genuine, which is Trump, which I don't, I don't believe he's genuine one bit. Like he literally handpicked his, you know, policies that that based on the tweets that hit the most. Like you know, they put out like <laughs> so many different tweets, right? That they mm. they even like came out with this and said it. And the one that hit the most, the most amount of, got, not only got the most engagement, but got the most amount of division because you know. The more divisive your point, I guess, the more viral will get. Yeah, yeah which yeah. was the wall. Like when was, when did Trump ever talk about that? Before that, he didn't. So I feel like um, there is a difference. Yeah, and and look, maybe to finish this one, Tris, I think you know, as I mentioned at the top of this, uh, you've been sort of involved in the in this space a little bit, and you know, Hespila is coming out uh, in the next few months to Australia. You've been sort of across that, and and with that news. Now that's that sort of tour has been super popular from what I've seen anyway. Like a lot of people are keen to to see him in in real life. You know, he's sort of lived on on mobile phones for people in yeah. Australia. Obviously, being overseas. Um, maybe your last thoughts on that because obviously it's been popular. People want to come and see him, despite as we mentioned at the start, him just being 
an, an everyday sort of guy who's had a bit of a viral, you know, shot in the arm in the last few years uh, on social media. Um, obviously, there's a demand, right, to see these guys in the flesh because um, there's that sort of rolling momentum from, you know, the, the meme rolling, if you like, of people wanting to see those characters from TikTok and from Instagram actually in real life, right? Yeah, hundred percent. I, I think Hezbollah is just so different. I feel like he's so special. Like you know, I was just watching a video. I've watched this before of him like making his bed. Like it's literally a time, like time lapse video of him making his bed, and it's got like seven million views, thousands of shares, whatnot. Like he, I think he's someone different where he's just purely being himself, and he just brings so much joy and happiness to other people. Mm. I feel like people genuinely like him it's not a fad um you know he's still here and he's still you know relevant i think his personality is just really positive and really contagious so yeah so on that note yeah um based on that his his announcement that i was part of helping out with the marketing um has been uh probably one of the most uh successful marketing campaigns i'm saying because i was involved it's because mm. of him um it literally, it was an Instagram post that mm. we posted out saying Hezbollah's coming. And then, you know, uh, 24 hours later, you got every major media publication, um, not just entertainment publications. I'm talking mainstream, like Sydney Morning Herald, The yeah, Age, yeah. Um, mm. Lad Bible, Sports Bible, uh, Boss Hunting, who, you name it, they, they pretty a junkie. They published the news uh, with hype, with excitement. Um, Sydney Morning Hell came back to us and said that was the most read article that week. That was pre-election. Wow. We were a couple of weeks out, I think. Yeah, uh, really, yeah, really interesting to see because I'm not going to sort of, um, you know, talk about it in hindsight and say I expected that. None of us did. Like that was something mm. completely unexpected. But then when you do look back, you're like, yeah, Hezbollah, he is, like I was saying, a really loved um a really loved personality and probably different to like, you know, uh, an Andrew Tate or like one of those guys. I yeah. feel like he's like probably hundred percent genuine. There's no gaming there. He's literally putting out a video of him making his bed and people are engaging with it. Love like, it. Well, Tate look, can't do that. It, that yeah. <laughs> That'd be a very different video <laughs> of, of Tate doing that. Um, look, yeah. we might, uh, we That's might leave that one there, right there. Tris. Yeah, very, very interesting chat. And look, all the best with the tour with, with uh, Hespula. And look, let's see what happens over the next few years with these social media celebs. Bad to be interesting. Okay, T, now listen, the next thing we're going to talk about on the potty is all things music. Now, this is your area, my man. This is your space. Um, but, you know, we're two, I think, pretty big, big music fans and off late, we've seen two big albums within, you know, obviously a lot of albums starting to come out now, but Drake and Beyonce both releasing very dancey house music, EDM, if you like, inspired pop music. Um, probably, I don't know how you would describe them, maybe sort of R&B, soul, rap, like they're, they're sort of in that mix of genres there, but they've they both with uh, Honestly Nevermind and um, Renaissance had very very dancey vibes to the albums, like almost similarly in the sound, some of the tracks. Um, and look, I've been loving it. I've been loving some of the tunes, obviously, um, Break My Soul and um, what was Drake's song? I'm, I'm forgetting it off the top of my head, the the one that went off, um, which sounded like an Ibiza banger. But um, both have had massive successes. 
Um, what have you made about it, my friend? What do you what do you think about these albums? What do you think about this type of music? Because obviously we're talking two huge names here and uh, a bit of a new yeah. sound for them both a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I'm not any expert in house music or dance music. I'm a you know a hip hop R and B head, uh, so I I can't talk too much about that sort of cultural subcultures. But man, I vibed yeah. both of them, especially the the Drake album. Uh, to me, I feel like Drake's formula was saturated. He he just dominated what he was doing you know, probably dominating and some. So for him to just do something fresh, something new, I, I embraced it. And uh, it sounds really good. It's probably my favorite album that's come out. Like I've been listening to it, it to on repeat, like start to finish, like nearly every couple of days. So I, I'm a big fan, but like, I want your take on this as well. I don't think dance music and hip hop or dance music and R&B is a new thing. I feel like you know, we're millennials. That was sort of happening along. That was happening in the 2010s. You know, you had Usher doing "Oh My God." You had you had a lot of club. You had David Guetta doing mm. songs with Nicki Minaj. So, what I, I want to ask you: What's different between those two? You know, like what's different between David Guetta doing a Nicki Minaj song and uh, Drake collaborating with Black Coffee? Yeah, well, look, I think a lot of the tracks of these two albums. Look, I, I put it in two different camps, right? When you talk about Dave Guetta. Um, and Usher's period. And I would say that era of music in terms of, you know, dancey influence was a bit more EDM, right? So if, for those out there playing at home, um, the, the EDM genre, I feel like, is a bit more, um, you, you think, you look at David Guetta and you look at Tomorrowland, which just ha- has been happening in Belgium and stuff like that. They have a bit more of a, how would I say, um, mainstream f- appeal to it. I think with this type of music and house music in general, um, which, you know, I'm a big fan of is you get your piano breakdowns, you get your piano-y type of synths. Um, okay. And if you think about some of the tracks of, of especially Honestly Nevermind, um, those, you get that, you get that piano bit. It's almost like that more Ibiza-y, beachside, poolside vibe to it. You think about OMG by Usher, like that felt like a club song, right? Like it was a club banger. Um, but if you think about some of the tracks of these two albums we've mentioned, like, whilst they wouldn't go, you know, go wrong in a club, I, I feel like it's more like a, you're at a rooftop beachside bar. Like that's where a lot of that Chicago based house music, which, you know, even guys like Kanye West, right. Have had some roots in. Um, and you look at it and you're like, there's this sort of, you know, piano synth inspiration, which I feel like is the biggest difference. Like I know for Beyonce as well, listening to, I've probably been a little bit reverse. I listen to a, a quite a bit of honestly, never mind. But I've also been listening quite a bit of Renaissance recently, quite a long album as well. Um, and some of the tracks are, they're, they're made for the club, but a lot of them are to me sort of like very, you, you're having, you got a, you know, tequila in hand on a beach, just chillaxing with your mates, like, and you've got a good energy about it. Like it, that's what came across a bit more for me uh, on these albums. You know what I mean? So a bit more of that, yeah, I guess 90s era house where it's like piano and bass mixed together with a bit of, you know, sprinkling of, of mainstream stuff. Um, but when it comes to the the future of music, you know, Tris, I, like we've got festivals coming up. We're about to head into a very packed festival season. And I think we've probably, you've probably heard of the term sort of, what is it called? Um, sort of like the rap, hip hop rap being popularized in sort of mainstream music through guys like Travis Scott, um, you know, and stuff like that, Kanye to a degree. Do you reckon that sort of, you know, mumble rap and, you know, hip hop 
and that sort of vibe is still here to stay and it's not going anywhere. Guys like Jack Harlow, st- stuff like that, are going to continue to have that vibe. Or do you potentially see like a little bit of a, you know, are we going to see a few more albums like this which have a bit more of a dancey, you know, vibe to them, especially from these popular artists in the in the hip-hop space? Yeah, first of all, I think you answered that question really well in terms of what was the difference between the dance and hip-hop collaborations in our era compared to the mm. current. I feel like, yeah, you, uh, that's why I wanted you to answer it because I feel like you've got more of an understanding of house and dance music. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that was, cool to, that was cool to hear that from you. And that makes a lot of sense because you're right, Kanye and a lot, a lot of other artists sort of dabbled into it. But this is the first time we've got two artists that are R&B and hip-hop fully focused projects, um, fully focused their projects on this particular subculture yeah. and genre. So that was, that was um, that's definitely the big difference. Um, on your question about, I feel like with hip hop, is it here to stay given now this transition that we're seeing from these leaders, these genre leaders like Drake and Beyonce, now you're, gonna, you're hearing that Frank Ocean's gonna do, do the same thing on his next album. Um, I feel like, no, I don't think it is going to, uh, I don't think hip hop, as a whole genre is going to change. And the reason is um, basically the fault in what I just said, which is calling it a genre, calling hip hop what it is. It's not hip hop. Mm. It's so multidimensional now. Um, You know, it's not like 10 years ago, pre-streaming where Kanye or Jay-Z or Drake was number one. And like all the artists wanted that success and molded their sound to that. That's not happening anymore. You've got, a multitude of different subcultures now under that umbrella, if you want to call it for, you know, to call it a name, hip hop, there's so much happening. So you've got Playboy Cardi and you know, Lil Uzi Vert creating their own, like, I feel like they've created their own sound. And now you've got literal kids um, from like Ken Carson, yeah. Destroy Lonely, all sort of emulating that culture. And they, they're creating a whole scene. Like if you look back on the Rolling Loud videos, um, the Rolling Loud festivals videos, the most lit or the most like um, exciting crowds were those artists, not the main artists, was those artists. Because mm. that's really where the um, the ki- that's really what the kids are listening to. So they're not they're not putting on a honestly never mind. Be like, oh, yeah, that's what we got to do. They're like, no, that's cool. What he's doing, whatever they think, but they're still doing their own thing. So I don't think it's going to be plate shifting. No. Interesting. Yeah, it's it's. I think it's probably a bit of a phase more than anything. And I think if you look at Drake and Beyonce, like these these type of artists would have had their you know they would have grown up in the in, in a lot part of the eighties nineties and. And, you know, in recent 10, exactly. 15 years, they've had their periods of success, right? So they're obviously bringing some of that older influence of their own personal journeys into their music. And I think, you know, Beyonce's mentioned she's renaissance in, I don't know if you know more about this than Matris, but this is going to be the first, I think, of three albums she recorded in lockdown, potentially. So I wouldn't be surprised if that sort of dancey theme is throughout it or maybe it's maybe it's a one-off maybe this is a dancey one the next one's more of a soul piece and then the next one's a, a classic beyonce album i don't know but uh it, yeah it probably makes sense that it's a, a bit more of a phase for these artists that are you know delving into areas of their of their upbringing in, in music oh, yeah. and stuff because like, like i mentioned as well some of that early stage chicago-based ha- house music your classic piano breakdown type of tracks are you know, they're classic uplifters. Like they've just got some energy about them, which you can, everyone can get around, right? Like, I think that's why we've seen a little bit of controversy, especially with Drake's album, 
a lot of Drake fans are like, this is fucking not what Drake sounds like. And then it, but it's opened him up to a bit of a new wave of fans as well. Like, you know, a bit of that European audience who are like, hold, like, fuck yeah. I love this sort of house induced yeah. pop rap style that you've got. So I do wonder if it's opened him up, opened these artists up to a few more fans, you know, like not, they're just their usual sort of groups. Yeah, it, no, it definitely has. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I, I feel like, it, yeah, he has definitely opened up um, them to new fans, but they they're too similar they're they're similar artists in a way in that they're completely and i mentioned this before they've completely i I feel like they've hit a saturation point with their own music you know like beyonce really switched it up um with that album before lemonade i forget what it's called with drunk in love and whatnot formation yeah yeah, and she really you know sent shock like she you know she and then she's sort of been doing that for a minute and now, what, she's in her 40s or, and you know, Drake's hitting his late 30s and they've been dominating for more than a decade or multiple decades doing this one or doing this one thing or these two things. I feel like they hit a point where, like, hold on, let me do something creative. Let me do something different. Let me, mm. um, yeah, let me switch it up. You know, because you've seen someone like Kanye literally switch it up every two albums and he's become the most influential artist of his generation because of that reason and i feel like they're looking at that going hey that's a you know that works let's let's be as courageous as him he's sort of you know laid down that template let's do that and especially with drake because that last album that he released before this as great as it was it wasn't received well because it was Mm. like hey drake come on you've done this before you've done this and you've done this really well before and we like a lot of these songs his album but dude, we know you can do something else. We know you can probably do a singing-only album like Kanye did in 808s. You are so talented. And you know what? That guy did it, and he killed it. He absolutely killed it. And what he said was right. Give me time, like, because the people that hated on it, like you said, it's like, you know, give it time because it will age like wine. It will age so well, this album. It's great. Like you said, it's just got that ability to be played in, like, clubs in Europe for, like, 10 years from now, you know? Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. And look, let's see what happens. Hey, in the next few years, like, I think you're right. There's, you know, you only need to look as far as us yours as well. Kid Leroy and, and acts like that, who are in the same sort of, you said massive umbrella of sort of genres and, and that whole space, not just hip hop, but everything else that falls underneath it. Um, there's still popularity, there's still demand from younger audiences for that sort of yeah. style of music. So I think it'll it'll definitely be the mainstream. I think this might be a bit of a, a nice moment for people who are, you know, guys like myself who are big house music fans, sort of seeing it come into to mainstream artists. But look, let's see what happens, man. The music industry is forever changing, forever evolving. Um, and look, before we we wrap up, Tris, I thought I'd ask you, you know, we're heading into festival season, as I mentioned here. What's What's got your eye, mate? Is anyone coming here? Anyone touring here? Any festival lineups that you're liking the look of, uh, you know, on the on that side of things or any artists that you're you're seeing a tour coming out soon that you're like that's gonna be gonna be going off. Any tips? Uh Rolling Loud is going to be big. I feel like that's going to uh yeah. just come in and be that dominant hip hop festival in uh in Australia. And I feel like a lot of people are waiting for that, whether it be Rolling Loud or whoever, but you know, they've announced it, they're coming. So uh, I'm really excited about what that's going to do uh, for our scene here in Australia. Um, you know, we saw what Juice Juice World coming here just did in himself. Like, I don't know if you know, but Juice World coming here um, and just sort of uh, 
collaborating, connecting with people from Sydney and essentially indirectly forming such an impressive group of um, uh, producers and singers from Kid Leroy down. Um, I feel mm. like that could happen on a much bigger scale when Rolling Loud comes here, when you have like 20 or 30 of those rappers and those singers coming here and just really getting amongst it because, um, you know, the Sydney scene in hip hop and R&B is really popping off. So there's, there's a lot more that we can give. And that's what I'm, that's what I'm excited about. Not just, you know, an artist coming here and just, you know, doing some great shows and leaving, but um, how can we work together? How can we work with you guys on elevating our own scene, you know, come and like, Mm get amongst it like a few rappers like juice world has done i want to see more of that that would be really cool that's what that's what i'll be most excited about yeah nice man well look hopefully we will see a brimming live music scene over the next few years after covid so fingers crossed but uh tris thanks so much for joining us mate on this on the show for being our, our guest host while scotty's over in europe at, at Zaget, of course of all places so um look appreciate you coming on man and and helping us out and, and sharing your thoughts as always Hundred percent, bro. He's probably the one with the tequila listening to Drake. <laughs> he lives legitimately. Yeah, that's um, look, if if you are listening at home, thanks again so much wherever you are around the world in Australia or beyond. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at Trends and Tings as always for all our updates. Or if you want to jump on support the show, Patreon.com forward slash Trends and Tings to help us out. But of course, always free, always available for you and everyone else out there. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week with another guest host, another new episode of Trends and Teams. But for now, thanks for listening. Catch you in the next one.